you're listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Behrens, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Behrens, 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. Hey, all right. Welcome to the Tactical Kitchen Show. Okay, so that was a pretty normal intro. I'm, I'm a little confused by that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's a, a dreary, rainy Monday, so motivation is lacking. Oh, my gosh. It is... If you're in Texas, you know what's happening right now. If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, it's just so rainy. So rainy. It got cold and rainy last night, and it's Monday, and this is usually, for me, you know, a long run day, but I don't, I'm not sure I'm going to get out and get it done today. <laughs> I can't see why not. I don't understand. So, yesterday, I made the decision to go ahead and do mine mm-hmm. yesterday morning. That was a good call. It was a good call, but you had a boy's slumber party, so you didn't feel like it. <laughs> I did. I did. I had our, our annual uh, Lack of Rock football slumber party over the weekend, which is great. I love going out there and hanging out with the coach and all the guys and uh, us arguing about who is the best uh, you know, tiddlywink player of 1963. Oh my God! If if it's if it's a sport and you can argue about it, we do. Yeah. So you had to stay up a little bit late mm-hmm. on Saturday night. Um, let's just put it like this. Normally we go to bed what, like about nine, ten o'clock, somewhere in there. You went to bed at like one. Yeah, which is like most people are like on a Friday Saturday night, big deal. That's normal, not for us old people. <laughs> Actually, we we just like to get up and do things like run and stuff. So. Well, we focus on sleep. And one of the things about sleep, if you're having problems with sleep and you need to know, you need to be on a schedule. And that doesn't mean when Friday and Saturday night roll around that you get to skip your schedule. Yeah, that's like almost like having a cheat meal. Like you have to recover from that. Right, you do. And that's how I felt yesterday is I stayed up later than normal. We still got up early around 6 in the morning. Uh you know, to, so I had to drive out there and then stayed up late, still got up around seven in the morning, uh, which is not, you know, a huge lack of amount of sleep, but it throws you off your schedule. So yeah. that's how I felt yesterday, just a little off of the schedule. Yeah. When you, you know, I think when you get past that, like 11 o'clock point, well, I do, I don't think, I know your cortisol level kind of goes back, uh, starts going back up if you haven't gone to sleep. Mm-hmm. So it kind of messes with your whole rhythm which makes it difficult the next day to do like hard physical activity. Sleep is a huge component to fitness, and we talk about that a lot. But um, I got plenty of sleep the night before. <laughs> so <laughs> I got up yesterday, and man, I had the easiest, best run that I've had in a really long time. But you don't eat carbs. I know. So and here's what's crazy. Like the day before, since you were gone, I fasted. Well, I sort of fasted. I got here's what exactly what I did. I can tell you exactly what I did. And I posted this on Instagram under my chronometer or chronometer. I don't know how you say it. Um, macro thing. I had water and salt, about a teaspoon of salt, pink Himalayan salt. I had coffee with some heavy cream 
And then I went and did my run. I ran 7.28 miles that morning, yesterday morning. But Saturday, I, I fasted. Let me go back to Saturday. Saturday, I got up and I had my, my fat coffee. I had an F-bomb, which is not carnivore, but and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But I had an F-bomb, the chocolate salted macadamia nut. So good. Then um, I didn't eat all day. I had a big fat steak for dinner. Then I got up Sunday morning, had the water, salt, coffee, cream, did the run. That's not a lot of food. There's really not that many carbs in there, if, unless you want to count the little bit from the macadamia nuts. Mm-hmm. I was able to go 7.28 miles. The only reason why I stopped is because you have to let your feet kind of like build mileage so you don't strain those tendons. And I knew you were going to be home. <laughs> well, so, I mean, that's a good call for anybody out there that's looking to do a marathon or even a 5K. You have to build the mileage. You don't just go out. You didn't just go out and go from zero to running seven miles. The week prior, you ran five and a half miles. Yeah. And I ran six the week before that. And so I've just been building a little bit of mileage every week, uh, kind of going back and forth with a few different types of runs. I've been trying to stay on the program you gave me. I'm not very good at following instructions sometimes, <laughs> but I've been, and it's working though. The program works. Right. You got to periodize your program to grow and get better. Um, the mistake I always made as a young guy is like, hey, I'm going to run a marathon. Uh, I usually run about six miles. I'll just run 12 today. Oh. <laughs> that doesn't always work. It leads to overuse injuries, and that's the problem you get. So, yeah, you know, periodize your program and get better. Oh, it's the cat. Yeah, she's in here. Um, yeah, and like that YouTube person commented on our thing, great, we know your cat's in the kitchen. Who, who doesn't love Glitter Kitty? But, <laughs> I don't so, like her when she stands on the keyboard. I know. So the run I had, though, really, I, I will say after our interview with Kristen Rowell a couple of weeks ago, which you should go back and listen to if you didn't mm-hmm. listen to it, yep. um, she just did her 23rd marathon, and she's a bodybuilder. And that was such an inspiring interview for me. It's really caused me to, <laughs> I want to do this. Mm-hmm. I, I see that it can be done. I want to do it too. So I've started running. Not that I'm going to jump into a marathon, you know, frenzy, but I feel like I could do it. And being carnivore, that's kind of like, ooh, most people would say you can't do that. Oh, yeah. And that's a great point because as I talked about before, I'm a personal trainer. So I get the the magazine every month about personal training and they are meat haters. There's never been a pro meat uh, article in there and they're always against it so this week or this month they have one and it says keto fat chance of performance so guess where that's going <laughs> so they took so they took 16 people and this was uh the journal of sports medicine and physical fitness they took 16 people and they fed them a like a, a high fat diet or I'm sorry, it wasn't high fat. They just said low carb. Yeah. And you never know what that means. They have to like, you'd have to really go read the study because half the time low carb means they were still eating like 140 grams of carbohydrates a day. Right. You don't, you don't know. And you don't know at what, did they increase their fat? Did they keep their fat low? Was it low fat? That's the other factor that you have to understand. So anyway, for four days, they fed them a low-carb diet, and they tested them them physically. Four days. Four days. Anybody that knows this knows that if if, if you're eating a high-carb diet and you want to go to a a low-carb, high-fat diet, there's an adaptation phase in there. 
<laughs> four days is about when you go, oh, crap, I feel like shit. Four days is when you start feeling like crap. You, that's usually about the keto flu time. So that, that just goes to these people knew exactly what they were doing to get poor results. Yeah. So for four days, you know, they fed them a low-carb diet. They tested them physically. And then for the, after that, the next four days, they fed them a high-carb diet and once again tested them physically. Oh, guess what? They did better after the high-carb diet. Yeah, because they got them right into the keto flu, and then they gave them carbs. Right, and right. <laughs> they're so, like, oh, I feel better. So this this uh, extensively calculated eight-day study, eight oh freaking days. Okay, so what do they get out of that? You can't perform on a low-carb diet. That's their conclusion. Yeah, you can, and especially if you're going to call it keto. Keto, fat chance on so, performing. So after you're sitting here talking about running seven miles and Kristen Rao, who runs marathons and is a bodybuilder, all on uh, a keto, low-carb diet, Yeah. this is the, the stuff we get in our personal training literature is, right. is keto is bad, low-carb is bad, it's horrible for performance, and so we're, we're swimming upstream here. I know, because that goes out to how many personal trainers? So many. Like, if you go to a gym and you get a personal trainer at that gym, likely it's likely they're going to be ACE certi- certified or... Or NASM. NASM. And they get publications like this where they're looking at it without any nutrition training. They're saying, oh, well, if my client says they're doing keto, I need to warn them then about that for, they're for, not going to be yeah. able to perform well. So we need to make sure they're eating carbs. And this is the kind of information that people get fed all the time. <laughs> I like your pun. Yeah, I'm punny today. And, and on the same page of this study is another article that says, plant foods are good for our gut bugs. Look what they did. They put the plant foods there. So let's tout the plant-based diet. And then here, let's di- let's just like diss keto hard. Yeah, this is, this is, this is a planned thing right here they didn't just happen to put the bad keto information along with the plant food on the Uh same exact page that's marketing right there that's somebody is like we hate this diet let's make sure we put all this information against it on the same page you know that's what we're calling right now it's like the vegan meat wars you know (laughs) it is there are wars going on right there in the nutritional world about vegan and carnivore it's so interesting and there's there's a lot of stuff coming out now where, you know, um, if you guys are following Sean Baker, he posts stuff all the time. There's so much vegan hatred for meat eaters out there. And then you've got some of the vegans, like we saw the video this week he posted, of the guy who was vegan for five years and then went carnivore. And he's just telling all his success on the carnivore diet, which I thought was kind of cool. I thought it was awesome, and probably the best thing that he put in there was when he talked about <laughs> after he ate ate some ground beef and yeah. eggs that night. He had what he referred to as a massive erection. Yeah. So, so apparently, this wasn't happening before, and right. and now it happens. So for guys out there listening, I'll tell you straight up: uh, eating a carnivore diet. When I say it increases your testosterone, I'm referring to in the bedroom. So. If you are having any issues with that, or if you, if you felt that your performance in the bedroom has fallen off, a carnivore diet is beneficial for that. Absolutely. I will say yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, last night while we're watching TV, we're watching the football games, and 60 Minutes comes on, and this is basically, you can tell when it's an old people show. I'll oh just my gosh. say that. Because all of a sudden you start getting all these advertisements for 
uh, investments, drugs, you know, all these pharmaceutical things. One of them was erectile dysfunction medication delivered to your door. Like for guys, if you're embarrassed about going to the doctor and getting this, you can just order it online now and it'll come straight to your door. And it was this very colorful ad and it was like, everybody needs this drug. And the thing is, this is diet related. If you don't change the diet, the drug, you know, I, I don't know much about the drug. I think it's really horrible for you. You're interfering with your your natural body rhythms and hormones and it's you an, just need to get rid of the inflammation. Right. It's it's an artificial thing. It's not like that that drug is going to make it better. It's an artificial thing. You have lack of blood flow to the correct body parts. That's right. bottom line. So you need to get better blood flow. And it's just like guys to get low testosterone treatment. Once you start these low testosterone treatment therapies, you're never going to be able to come off of it. I, that's scary. Because as soon as you do, your testosterone is going to go through the floor and you're going to feel like dirt. So why get an external treatment uh, from a doctor and pay money for that when you can just adjust your diet and make yourself better. I know that's so true. And the thing is, we're talking about guys, but I loved what this vegan guy said. How he, he, maybe no one else is going to talk this candidly about this subject, about sex and diet. But we we typically talk pretty candidly about these things, and it's not just for guys. It's for females, too, because a lot of times I have clients or people who will contact me, and one of the big things in their paperwork or are in the conversation is that they just aren't interested in sex anymore, and that's not normal. It's common. (laughs) It's very common with women to be like, I just kind of lay there, and I'm not real excited about it, and nothing really happens for me. And that's a sad way to live because it's not supposed to be like that. And the thing is, it's diet-related. This is hormones, your hormones and your diet. All this is connected. And I will say that the carnivore diet for me, not only for sexual function, but also just for your regular female cycle, which all this is connected it's been a game changer. Right. And somebody had asked about what is your uh, progesterone and your estrogen? How were those levels and yeah. how you felt? So I Dr. Mean, a- Nally was asking about that. So uh, Dr. Nally asked me about, Adam Nally asked me about progesterone and estrogen levels. And the only answer I have for him and for you guys is that we haven't had our blood work done since 30 days into the carnivore diet. But I'm going to say that everything's pretty stellar. Because um, I have zero female cramps around my period. My period is awesome now at 47, uh, better than it's ever been in my life. And I'll just say it, the orgasms are explosive. (laughs) Okay, and this goes back to, you know, when it's good for the women, it's good for the guys. Because on two levels, if the the, uh, menstrual cycle is easy for the woman... It's easy for the men. Let me tell you right now, okay? And you men know what I'm talking about. And then if in, in the bedroom, if your wife, you know, is able to orgasm easier, quicker, and better, it's better for the men. Come it's on, guys. Just, come on. This I'm is telling you. not rocket science. You play to win the game. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You've been sports ball talking all weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's an old Herm Edward, Edwards quote from uh, uh, football. You play to win the game. And you're playing to win the game here. Your diet helps you win the game. Yeah, and at 47 and 48, those are our ages. 
<laughs> this is probably the easiest, I mean, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. It's just awesome. Everything works. This is usually when people fall apart. <laughs> you know. Right. Well, this age is usually when people start having, and we have a lot, you know, all of our friends, are, you know, of course, our age, they're our friends. But, you know, a lot of our high school friends are having a lot of health problems right now. Yeah. We know them, and they're having a lot of issues. And here's the thing. We want to help with that. And this goes leads into a, another subject about being militant or dogmatic about how you eat. We want to help those people, but I cannot walk up to them and tell them, you need to do this. You have to do this. You need to stop what you're doing and do I this. I slap the ice cream out of their hands, but <laughs> whatever. No, I don't do that. <laughs> I stand outside Baskin-Robbins and just knock ice cream out of people's hands. I'm going to start doing that. <laughs> Especially the little kids. They're so easy. <laughs> no, I'm going to... It's when I'm standing at Starbucks and somebody buys their kid a cake pop and a cookie, I'm like, I want to slap the parent and knock the food out of the kid's hands. Right, right. But I don't do that because... That's frowned upon. I have self-control yeah, because I'm a carnivore. Nowadays, that's called assault. So. It is called assault. Or I'm a ketivore. <laughs> we really... And so, like, like, in this little line of the topic about not being militant... Our carnivore diet fluctuates in and out of a carn strict carnivore into a what we call ketivore diet. Um, we don't we don't regularly eat. Well, I haven't had any greens, like except for some cabbage that is fermented. It's called sauerkraut. You guys all probably know it well. I haven't had any. Um, you haven't had any. Zero. I tried a little. I didn't feel great. I felt a little brain foggy. It was a little weird. My digestion wasn't off or anything, but I just didn't feel as good. Not. I, I wasn't sure if it was the sauerkraut. So after two servings of it, you know, two days in a row, I just didn't eat it anymore. Mm -hmm. Now, we, we love watching this stuff online where, you know, Vegans get out of control, or people make fun of uh, you know someone being very militant or dogmatic. We watched the JP Sears video about oh my god if carnivores are what if meat eaters ate like uh, acted like vegans that was really funny. But that's comedy, okay? And and that's not what like over the weekend when I had you know my adult slumber party with friends, uh, <laughs> you know they they don't eat like I do, and I don't stand around and go oh those those chips are really bad for you. You shouldn't eat those. They're horrible. I don't do that. I let them do whatever they want to do. And if they ask me about what I do or how I eat, I'll explain it to them. Yeah. And I'll explain to why I don't eat those chips or why I don't drink that beer. Uh, you know, those things. But I don't get militant about it. I just tell them what I do. And then if they want more information, then I'm happy to share. But I'm not preachy or dogmatic or militant. Try yeah, not to be. we try not to be. And I see that a lot even in the carnivore community right now. I see when someone asks a simple question, they get like completely blasted by carnivores who are like, that's not carnivore if you're eating that. And these are people who are genuinely on a health journey and they're seeking help. And just out to all of our community, we need to all be a little more tolerant of people, especially their questions, when they're new to something, guide them, help them. Don't berate them for asking a question. That's just a PSA <laughs> going out to all of my carnivore buds. Right. You know. Well, when I when I talk to some people, I'm like, yeah, I just eat basically animal products. You know, like proteins and fats. And they go, so no vegetables. I don't come back and go, <laughs> yes, no vegetables. That's what that means. Right. You know, just say, yeah, you know, no vegetables, no... Well, it's shocking to people. It is, because it goes completely against 
what most of the recommended healthy eating ways are. I know. And so when somebody does ask that and then they're like, so you mean you don't eat like you don't eat fruit? So they'll, they'll go through the whole list. They go through all the list of the foods. So no fruit? Mm-mm. So no, no vegetables? Nope. You don't take any fiber? Uh-uh. No. You know, I, it, it, it's just one of those things that we maybe we could show a little compassion, you know, to people who are new or who are seeking and not be so militant all the time. And don't be so militant with yourself. Like, there are times when, you know, you're going to be in a place uh, the food's not going to be perfect. You eat what you can or fast, choose to fast, but move on. Or if you choose to celebrate something. So we recently oh, yeah. had a question. One of the people that we uh, that we talked to a lot that's lost a lot of weight, I think it was like 75 pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so to do a, a little celebration, they went out to Red, Red Lobster, Lobster. And, and they splurged. And that's fine. That's, that's, that's flexibility. Um, to me, I, that's not something I would do. If if I knew I just lost seventy five pounds by by eliminating all these foods, I don't. I wouldn't go out and eat them. Right. Well, this is still that connection between food and celebration. Right. And this is something that's really hard for people to break that mentality. Or, or you know, and I don't begrudge people for doing that. I think if that's what you want to do to celebrate it, if that's if that's where you know you want to do the one thing, you right. want to taste that food. I feel like it's sometimes a really good test of the body. Yeah, it like is. Like you've been eating this certain way. This person's been keto for a long time now. Obviously, they've lost the 75 pounds. Um, Which is phenomenal. That's yeah, just phenomenal. Yeah, such a huge deal. Uh, you got to feel, I mean, you think about that. That's like, go pick up 75 pounds and just carry it around all day. Go pick up a 10-year-old kid. I know. And then drop them. Like, then, then, <laughs> <laughs> just drop them. Get out of here, kid. And... Walk around like that and see how worn out you are by the end of the day and then realize that that is something that someone had on their body mm-hmm. they carried around all day. So you go, you celebrate, you eat a bunch of carbs. And the question was, how long is it going to take me to get back into ketosis? Right. So, and, and there's a lot of factors that go into that. There's not one standard answer that, that is, you know, if you eat a cheat meal um, and you go directly back to your diet, how long it's going to take you? Because there's lots of factors that get involved with that. The standard, and what what we've heard, is someone that practices a what they call a cyclical keto, where they're they're keto all week, and then on the weekend they kind of do what they want, yeah. and then on Monday they go back to keto. The standard has been ninety six hours. So basically, that cheat meal can knock you out for ninety six hours, which puts you in ketosis about well, one or two days a week, maybe. Correct. Yeah. And. That's, you know, some people feel good doing that, and that's fine. I can't personally do that. And if you had a cheat meal like like this uh, person did with this question about the Red Lobster, it was the Cheddar Bay Biscuits that got them. And, you know? and the Cheddar Bay Biscuits are delicious. They are. So it might take you, depending on your activity level, it could take you up to the 96 hours. I think that if you want to speed it up, you can do intense exercise and maybe some intermittent fasting or some straight fasting, and mm-hmm. you can speed that process up. But there's so many factors. Just, I, I would say that if you're going back into keto, don't worry about how long it takes. If you're not testing, you just need to really monitor how you feel. Right. How you feel? Do you get any brain fog? Fog? Do you feel sluggish? 
Um, are you a little tired on Monday? That's what you have to pay attention to to see if your body is me- metabolizing correctly. Right. And also cravings. Did you kickstart cravings again? Because that's going to maybe be a problem. <laughs> and that's what happens to some people. They do the celebration meal right. and then the cravings come back. And they, then, then it's a downward spiral. <laughs> and that's a really, the, the cravings, because people, you know, where do those come from? Because people, a lot of people think it's mental. So what happens, those cravings come from, you fed, you starved out the bad gut bugs. Yeah. And then you fed, they're still there. And then you, you gave them some, some food. Uh-huh. Now they're like, they have hope. They're greedy little bastards. They're greedy little <laughs> bastards. And now they have a hope and they're like, hey, let's get some more. So they start, in your gut, they start yelling for more. Yeah. And that's when you want that Snickers bar. Or oh that God. donut or whatever food out there that you Something used to crave. sugary. So a lot of times people don't understand where the cravings come from. And that is so true that it could be your gut bacteria that's crying out for um, more sugar, more because that's what it feeds on. So we have to really monitor, like with a client, I always monitor that. Like we talk about where the cravings are coming from. We work on, you know... The mental aspect and then also the gut bacteria and digestion because that's a big part of it. But, you know, if you have a cheat meal, just move on. Just move on. Move on. Um, The fastest way to get back is for ketone supplementation. I'll say that right now. Yeah, you can do that. And let's talk about that for a second because I I get, you know, I I see the bashing of the exogenous ketones within the community. And then I see the people who have given all the exogenous ketones a really bad name because they're like, eat whatever you want, drink ketones, you lose weight. That's a bunch of BS too. Right, or, or, or they'll tell you that's just an MLM. They're only trying to make money off of you. That's it. Oh, I've gotten that so many times because, okay, you follow us, you're listening to, you're listening to us. We sell the Prove It exogenous ketones. We got into the company because we wanted the ketones. We had no idea it was an MLM when we first got in. I was just like, how do I get these? I want more. Right, exactly. And so we got into it. We're not very good salespeople. We suck at that. So (laughs) (laughs) we don't even try. But here's the thing. When I hear other people bashing the ketones themselves, I'm like, if you don't like the company, that's fine. Because I'm pretty doggone confident that if you go buy something at Target or GNC or wherever it is you shop for things, that if you got to know the CEO of that company or the people deep and deeply embedded in that company, you probably wouldn't like them either. Well, and, and that's the thing is, you know, when you, people are say you're just trying to make money off of people, every company on the planet's goal is to make money off of you. This is not a secret. No. Okay? Target's not giving me stuff for free. <laughs> no, they're not. So, so when you when you if you don't like an MLM, that's great. It, it's not yeah, a big deal. That's no big deal. But if you use it, they're just trying to make money off of you. Excuse, uh, that's not that's not a good reason because GNC, you know, they sell supplements. They're just making money off of you. That's, there's no no um, question about that. Every company is trying to make money off of you. Hell, the pharmaceutical pharmaceutical companies market on television. <laughs> they were advertising hardcore last night. They, if you watch any Sunday morning shows or Sunday evening shows, you are bombarded by pharmaceutical ads, which I think should be totally illegal. I, I yeah. think they should be illegal. You should not be able to advertise pharmaceutical drugs. I know. I think it's crazy. Go ask your doctor for this prescription. Yeah. And when I'm president... I'm going to put in some freaking laws. I know. Put the laws in. (laughs) So here's the thing about the ketones. I don't care what brand you use. I don't care if you use them or not. 
They actually work for us, and they are a fast way to get someone over a hump. Um, if you're starting keto and you want to feel better while you're in transition, they're an awesome tool. Mm-hmm. If you had a cheat meal, they're an awesome tool to get past that feeling of craving or that sluggishness. If you are working out like we are, they are an effective tool at reducing inflammation and at giving you that energy you need a little bit extra for your workouts. Um, that's not even touching on the neuro uh degenerative diseases that they benefit and then the cancer research that's going on around them. So if you don't like ketones and you're listening to us and that's a deal breaker for you, that's cool. We understand that, but we use them. We like them. We're not going to try to sell them to you. Right. And then we'll say it one more one more time. We don't think ketone supplements are necessary for people. We use them because it's a tool. Everybody, I can say everybody, most people take some type of supplement, whether it's creatine, protein, uh, a vitamin, uh, you know, an omega three. Those are supplements, right? So and somebody's trying to sell them to you, and somebody's trying to sell those to you. You buy those from someone. So we use ketones because we really believe in them, and that's just one of the things we we like to talk about when we get asked what supplements do you take. That's a big one. Is a ketone supplement? Yeah, and you know all the other keto people who are making videos about you know making fun of them and stuff. That's cool. I get it. I, I I don't like MLM either, So, but I, I really like... Of all the ones I've tried, these have been the most effective for me. I agreed. I mean, that's just that's just our opinion. That's our experience. So, And, and that transitioned into another question uh, we got to ask was, how, how do you fix a weight loss stall when you stall with your weight loss? Uh, the stalling with the weight loss. So we've had a couple of questions about this this week. I had one question where somebody was down to their last, like... 20 pounds, mm-hmm. hardest place to break that plateau. It is. It's the 20 to 30 pounds. And then when you get down to 10, we're talking about this is a struggle. Yes. And you have to start looking at is the 10 pounds just what I want or is my body where it really wants to be? So that's a different struggle. Um, that it, Both of these are going to be the same answer, though. Then we had the question of like the person has had a 40-pound weight loss Still has more weight to lose, mm-hmm. but is at a stall. Like, hit the 40 pounds, and now it's plateaued. They're not gaining more, but they're not losing more. And there's a lot of factors that go into this. Do you want to hit the fitness factor? Well, the, the fitness factor is is a big one. And some people, and, and up front when people are starting to lose weight, we don't tell them to have to work out. We tell them, don't worry about it. Just focus on your diet. And if you want to walk or stretch or do yoga, that's great. But you don't have to work out. But once you get down and you're starting to get down to the, that last part of where either you hit a stall or you're getting for the last 20 or 10 pounds, fitness is a very important uh, part of that because that's going to just accelerate you know, your fat loss. You're going to uh, feel better, do more, you know, eat better, and then you're, you're going to get into that fat loss. And, it's, and I know this person works out. And, and that's what we talk about. When you work out, do what you love. And we, we love seeing people that do fun things like the kickboxing, uh-huh. uh, you know, or they're, they're doing running or adventure races or riding a bike. Right. I mean, we know all those people that, and that do things that are fun for them. And that's what we recommend. But you're going to have to crank up the intensity a little bit with your workouts to kind of jump over that hurdle of being stalled. Sometimes that is absolutely the case. And what I want to say about that for women especially is that as you start doing those workouts, like if it's weight-bearing and you're putting on muscle, 
then your stall might not be a stall. Mm-hmm. It might be that you're adding muscle quickly. Right. And you, it weighs more. We all know that. The muscle weighs more than the fat, but it takes up less space, which is what we want. So my thing is always, if you're in a stall, in a weight stall on the scale, start measuring. Start taking measurements, especially if you're working out. Then if nothing's happening within two to three weeks, you're not losing anything in that tape measure or on the scale, then you need to start food journaling. Because I will tell you, I call this one the usual suspect. The usual suspect is typically dairy. Um, Once someone cuts out some dairy or altogether cuts out dairy, then they usually see a quicker weight loss Mm -hmm. or fat loss. Um, And and that's just because some people just don't do great with dairy. And do you have to keep it out forever? No, but maybe cut it out for a couple of weeks and see if the the things start moving, the, the tape measure or the scale, see what happens. Yeah, and that's a great point. I mean, dairy is sneaky. It and, is a sneaky thing. And you really don't know how it affects you until you completely remove it for, you know, at least 30 days. Yeah. I say two weeks because I know how much people love their whipped cream and their coffee <laughs> and their heavy cream and the coffee. And here's the thing. If if you start keeping it, I'm not a huge fan of the tracking. But I've been doing it because I want, I want to feel your pain. <laughs> and so I've been doing it myself. And keeping a food journal, I, I keep it in the... The app, the chronometer app, and then I keep a, a composition notebook for like the whole time I'm doing it, writing down how I'm sleeping, all those things. Because all of that is a factor. How you sleep, how your bowel movements are, how many times you're going to the bathroom. All these things are important and your energy level, your workout intensity, and what you're eating. And you can start seeing a pattern in there and maybe you're eating more than you thought for your energy needs, mm-hmm. or maybe you're not eating enough food and your body's being stubborn because you've upped your activity, but you're not giving it the fuel to repair. Right. And that's a common mistake I see is people think, you know, they go back to eat less, move more. You have to eat less to lose that weight. And like you said, that can be a problem. If mm-hmm. you if you restrict food, uh, which we don't recommend, we, we would we much more recommend eating plenty of food uh, to satiety and working out as much as you want, opposed to trying to eat less and then feeling tired and making it difficult to work out. Right. Yeah, because that makes it where your body can't repair. And then when it can't repair the muscle breakdown, then it's sure not going to start losing fat because it's protecting itself. And right. So, you you know, you have to start looking at that. And is that an easy thing to figure out? No, it's not. It's not. And it's different for everyone. Everyone is different when it comes to uh, breaking muscle down and then building muscle back up. You got to have the fats and the fats and the proteins in your diet to do that. So if you start restricting protein uh, and you're working out, you know, you're going to break the muscle down, but you got to do that muscle protein synthesis. You got to build it back up. Yeah, you do. And this is where, especially as someone's getting into this stage where either they're stalled or they've got that that last stubborn 20, 30 pounds that won't come off. Sometimes you really need a coach. Sometimes you really need a nutritionist or somebody there to help you to walk along the path with you. You can listen to our podcast, but obviously you guys know we do this for a living and we have programs for you if you're interested and you really need that extra help. We do that. Um, We can put you on a monthly plan. So just go to our website for that. 
Then, um, what other questions did we have? We um, had a good one is, will we be carnivore forever? Will we be carnivore forever? Well, I think that my answer to that when the person asked me was, as long as I feel like I do right now, I don't see any reason to change. I'm, I'm with you. And, and for me, it's simple. I'm a guy, so we're, guys are very simple. It takes like, what was it, six minutes to cook a steak? Yeah, it's no time. <laughs> so so when it only takes six minutes to cook a steak, and I like steak, I can do that all the time. It's it, That's not going to um, you know uh, bother me down the road. So for me, like you said, I don't see a reason to go off of a carnivore diet yet. Right. Well, I think the big thing that you were telling me the other day was just in the conversation we were having about your knees. I mean, right. You can. I know if people have listened to this before, they know about your knees. But you can just maybe no, you if can you have kind of a, give some. If you have aching knees, as you age, your joints don't feel so great. And what I notice is if I add anything uh, into my diet that's not animal product, animal protein, you know, out, off the carnivore diet, my knees get weaker. They mm-hmm. don't feel strong. And I and I have a left knee that you know, I had the ACL uh, replaced. I don't have a meniscus. I've been running bone on bone for um, almost eighteen years now. So I, I've I bashed so it. Gross. <laughs> so it sucks. <laughs> I have totally bashed that knee, and I've had some tremendous problems with it. I, for years, it just did not work. I had very little range of motion, and it was very painful. Since we've been carnivore, it is not painful. I can run. Last week, I had a great run week. I ran Monday, the long run, about forty-five minutes. Um, I had a great interval, four hundred repeat on Wednesday with a, a, a long cool down, and I did twenty one hundred meter sprints. Um, Friday morning, 20 solid ones. I, and, and four of them, I even took it out further, about another 15 meters, just to see how my muscles felt when I dipped past what I was normally doing. Yeah. And uh, I ran the last three the fastest. So when you're talking about working out and physical performance uh, on a carnivore diet, I feel it and it feels great. So for me, when you can do those kind of things, that's why we can say, I don't know how long I'm going to do this because right now I feel great. Yeah, and you know, like we said, we dip in and out of this ketovore carnivore existence where maybe once a week, well, or twice a week, depending on how I'm feeling, (laughs) (laughs) we might have some whipped cream that I mix up with, whip up with some raw cacao, and we might have a few frozen berries underneath that, and we mix that all together and eat a piece of dark chocolate. That's our like that's our treat and it's not carnivore it's not all carnivore obviously but it's it's a little and it goes a long way and we enjoy it that's what works for us as long as it doesn't make like me feel bad or his knees start aching we'll do that now at any time when we start he starts experience when you start experiencing like knee pain mm-hmm. we look back this is where the food journals come in we look back at two two to three days of what we've been eating and we take something out that we think could be inflammatory because we're pretty keen on which foods could be the culprit. Mm-hmm. And for me, this uh, this last week was I, I added a little bit of honey on top of our carnival waffles. Mm-hmm. To, and, I, and I did it just to see how I felt. I did it for, for two days. Mm-hmm. And the first indication is my knee gets stiff. It'll get stiff and then it'll start to hurt. And that's like that's my body indicator of, yep, that food right there does not work with your arthritis. Yeah, so because a lot of people will say, well, isn't honey carnivore because it's from bees? And, you know, and there's a lot of debate about that. You can think what you want to think. But we we tried it. We like the local honey. 
um, that we were able to get, and it, but it's not it's not something you can do. So right. we learned that real fast. And and don't be sending us any messages saying you said berries. That's not carnivore. You're not carnivore. I don't care. Yeah, we don't give a crap. This whole thing about eating is to be healthy. So again, to be dogmatic or militant about it is just. It's just not very fun anyway. No. So like like when we get the question of someone ate a cheat diet, hey, if you want to eat a cheat meal and it be pasta or or breadsticks or the cheesy, you know, what are they were, buffins? Yeah, the... The Red Lobster things? Yeah, the um, Cheddar Bay Biscuits. Cheddar Bay how Biscuits. You, how can you forget what those are called? Oh, I know, man. I used to make homemade Cheddar Bay Biscuits. So if you want to do that to test out your digestion, great. Just be prepared for the after effects because sometimes they're not very good. No, they're not very good. And a lot of times we, we harp and harp on sugar. I know we we ride the back of sugar hard and we're like, ah, you're so evil. But some of these cheat meals have a lot of another substance in them that we don't talk about very often, which is the crappy oils, these oxidized oils that are in like let's say just the cheddar bay biscuits there's not real butter in there come on guys no there's not red lobster is not footing the bill for real butter they're getting some crappy oil spread that looks like butter called margarine and they're using that on those and that's a that's a poor oil it's a poor fat it is and poor oils and like melody said we harp on sugar uh because we know that's to you know that's a fuel for cancer but the poor oils are, they damage you. They damage yeah. you at the cellular level. And that's where, if you start looking at cancer and how it develops, those are damaged cells that become cancer. Now, if you had a cheat meal, don't freak out right now. <laughs> right, right. Your one cheat meal is not going to be the problem. But here's the thing. Like, I, one of our sons works at a restaurant, and it's a healthy restaurant, and they serve all healthy foods. All salads. All salads. Just a salad. I'm just going to go in here and have a salad. So, but here's the thing. He was talking to me this morning, and he was like, he's going back on a carnivore diet. And he was like, I, you know, I can't really eat the food at work because we marinate all the, all the meats are marinated in canola oil. Right. And so, so there's your healthy food. Yeah. So in restaurants, and I've been in the restaurant industry. I was a chef, so I'm a double threat. I'm a chef and a nutritionist. Mm. Yeah, I know. And... If you go to restaurants, you have to go to... I worked at a high-end hotel, and we still had some really crappy oils that were used for different things. So you have to be careful. And when you're going out to eat, you're getting these oils. And if you go to any restaurant with meat that's been marinated, it's been marinated in canola oil. Right. And and there's no getting around that. because. Back in, and you can go research this, back in the early 90s, all the restaurants and fast food uh, places... They went from cooking in real oil. Yeah, real fats. Like real fats. Tallow. Like tallow to industrial cooking oils. And and again, that, that coincides with another article I read this last week about colorectal cancer in 20 and 30-year-olds. That's so crazy because like colon cancer, that's a thing for old people. That's a thing for old people, but not but anymore. now you got 20 and 30-year-olds who have basically have colon cancer and there's a lot of there's a lot of correlation between industrial cooking oils and cancer now notice i said correlation not causation there's no real study i can find out there that says it exactly coincides but i will tell you that you know in the early 90s is about is when they made that change and went to mostly industrial cooking oils in the restaurant industry and now all those children that were born about then have grown up and guess what they have massive amounts of autoimmune diseases, colorectal cancer, 
diabetes, obesity, all those things are happening now. Yeah, so you've got not only the sugar aspect of that, but these poor fats that are contributing to all of these different diseases that are really, they're... They're foodborne illnesses is what I call them. Yeah, exactly. They are foodborne illnesses. And we're seeing them happen in younger and younger people, which is so scary for the future. And, you know, I read right before we hopped on here, I was reading that article to you that was put out by the Military Times about how how fat the military is. Right, right. Uh, I think the, the best... Um, service was the Marines, and they were only at uh, 60% overweight. Right. 60% of them are overweight. 60.9%, yeah. I think. So, so, and that was the best. Yeah. The Air Force, which what I was in, was the, the next best, which was yeah, like 63 was like, or two, whatever. It doesn't matter. It was, they were using BMI, which is not a good, no, not a not good, good way indicator. to do that. Um, you'd have to use something more accurate than a BMI measurement to determine obesity. But um, it just points to the road that more and more people are gaining weight. They are, but I, I, you know, the BMI, no, it's not a good indicator, but I can say that I go with you to a lot of your workouts where the young guys come out and the young girls who want to test for special operations and I'm not seeing any hard bodies. No, I refer to them as skinny fat kids. Yeah. You know, and there's just like, it's like, it's all these, this whole generation is just raised on sugar and crappy oil. Yeah. And and it's unfortunate because it's not their fault. No. Because they, they, they just, they don't have access to a lot of great food. And if they eat out anywhere, they're exposing themselves to those oils. And then they drink energy drinks and they don't sleep and play video games. I mean, uh, environment and lifestyle are two key factors when it comes into disease. And this is that thing where, I mean, I, I've talked about this a lot lately about laziness. And <laughs> humans are humans. lazy. And, and I look at our animals, like our, our cat and our dog, they are somewhere right now sound asleep because they'll stay that way all day long. But then they'll sleep all night too. Maybe not the cat. She's kind of a night cat burglar. Night creature. Yeah, she's horrible. But... People are like this too. So if we don't think, you know, if we don't think people are any different, people are lazy. Like the other day when I went to the store, when it was raining so hard, people acted like hot lava was falling from the sky. (laughs) They were parking their cars in front of the store, putting on their hazards and getting out and going in. I'm thinking, what if everybody did this? But apparently everybody was trying to. And then the grocery carts were, none of them were put up. They were all over the parking lot, made it like a, a giant wet obstacle course and i'm just thinking this is how people are we want to move less and eat more the exact opposite of what they tell us and 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 that's over our 1.5 million years of human history that is proven out i mean and and we're not saying humans are lazy like it's a derogatory thing that's that's a that's an animal thing it's a conservation of energy thing that's what it is you know as as hunters you know we we surrounded animals and pinned them to kill them. We didn't. We knew chasing them down sucked. We yeah. didn't want to do that. And then we then we got spears so we could throw it at them from a distance and hit them. And then we learned how to cook them faster, you know. And then we learned how to make the wheels so we could haul things around. And then cars and then planes. Everything that we've invented has been so we can do less. So we yeah. expend less energy as a human. Because I really think it goes back to we're still that primal man. Mm-hmm. We Our brains have not evolved from that aspect to where we try to find the easiest way 
to do to so we can do less, expend less energy. Right. And you see it. Just go to the grocery store. Watch the people wait for five minutes for someone to back out of the front row spot just so they can park there. <laughs> they save thirty than, feet. <laughs> rather than parking three spots down, you know. Right. I'm one of those people that always say you should take all the handicap parking spots and move them all the way out to the back of the parking lot. Because a lot of those people that are walking that have handicap stickers, they're doing it because they're overweight. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's everybody. There's people that uh, you, you know just probably got us in trouble. I will. <laughs> Whatever. Just saying. Just saying. There's people that have handicap stickers that broken broken ankle or hurt a leg or uh, they've got dysfunctional issues. But some of them need to exercise. Yeah, some of them it's a foodborne illness. Right. So that's the, you know that's the thing that we see though with the with with people in general the overweight and things like that. We this is how we're made. We're made to conserve energy that's what we want to do we want mm-hmm. to conserve our energy yep. but then we eat these foods that are sugar and and poor fats and that just puts weight on our body because it messes up our metabolism our hormone balance and everybody wonders why everyone's overweight hey that was your notice <laughs> <laughs> so sorry if you heard that little ding um but everybody wonders what the magic secret is to losing weight and really it's going back to that diet where you remove those western foods of those poisonous foods sugar flour flour, yeah all that stuff so it's not rocket science you uh, the crazy thing is you feel like moving more when you start eating right you do it's a a win-win it is a win-win well i think that covers a lot for this episode do you have anything else you want to pick up there I'm pretty sure we've answered most of it. Like the other question was like, do we miss me eating greens? Um, no. no, no, that's not even, I don't even think about it. So no, don't even ever think about it. Yeah. So if you have any further questions, anything we didn't answer or something you'd like to hear, please hit us up, send them to us online. We'd love to answer your questions. Don't even know if we ever said what episode this was, but it's 29. <laughs> oh my God. We'll get it in there. Yeah. Somehow it'll be in the, in the title. Hold on, let me do it. We can edit it out and put it up front. This is episode 29. Oh, my gosh. I'm leaving it right there. So (laughs) we don't edit. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it, and uh, we hope everybody's doing well. Go out there, eat fat. And prosper. Thanks for listening to The Tactical Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Don't forget to send your questions to Questions gmail.com and visit our website thetacticalkitchen.com